His purpose is to restore all things. His job is to take our broken bodies and give them resurrection bodies that will never hurt or ever be diseased again. He will come and make this creation what it was intended to be. In what way is God restoring you? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In the ninth chapter of the book of Zechariah, the prophet tells us, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. So what does God's restoration look like in your life? Here's David with the second section of a message called, Even Though Life is a Mess. Jeremiah 31, 23, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I, what? Restore their fortunes. Jeremiah 32, 44. When they return back to their homeland after the 70 years, God promises fields shall be bought for money and deeds shall be signed and sealed and witnessed in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the Shephelah, and in the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. Jeremiah thirty-three eleven. Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is... The Lord is? The Lord is good, my dear friends. Jesus called God Abba, Daddy. Daddies who really love the Lord are good daddies. The Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. Then the prophet Joel, again in his warnings, then says this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. Job 42.10, everybody loves to study the crises and problems of Job. But it seems to me like too many students of the book of Job stop at the end of chapter 41. And we just love to relish in Job's pain. But nobody, or not nobody, few people really want to move into chapter 42 and listen to these words. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then Isaiah 61, 7, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, Instead of shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. In Zechariah 9, 12, again, another prophet in the Old Testament says this, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Don't you want to be a prisoner of hope? A prisoner of hope. Today, I declare, and you read the last part with me, that I will... I will restore you double. I'm going to make double your trouble because God said, I am a restorer of broken things, broken people. So you see, the whole promise of God to to restore us is not rooted in our brokenness. It's rooted in God's promises. I love the story of the man who had fell upon bad times and his dress was horrible and his 
beard was scruffy and he didn't have a job and had no hope and he was walking down the street one day and ran into another guy who was natally attired and obviously a man of great wealth and they looked at each other and soon realized they were former classmates. And the man who was wealthy turned to his impoverished friend and said, what happened? And he said, I just ran through a series of bad times. My life's a mess. I have no hope. And the other man said, well, I tell you what, I want to give you another chance. So he reached into his checkbook, wrote a huge check, and said, here, go cash this at the bank, go buy some new clothes, get clean, and start looking for a new job, and I'll help you in any way that I can. They embraced. The impoverished man thanked him so much. Then he went to the bank to go cash the check and looked inside and saw all the people inside so perfectly attired, so clean in every way. And he said, they'll never cash this check. They won't believe it's from me. So he walked away. The next day he ran into his friend again, and his friend said, why didn't you cash the check? Why aren't you clean? And the other man said, you know, I went to the bank and I looked inside and I saw all those perfectly attired people and I realized they wouldn't cash this check. And he said, my friend, don't you realize? The ability to cash that check is not based on how you look, but the ability to cash that check is based solely upon my signature. The ability to overcome your messes is not rooted in all of your mess. The ability to overcome the mess is rooted in the promises of God. It's rooted on the signature of God on the check that Jesus cashed for us on the cross of Christ. So here comes the question, though, that so many people ask at this point. But, David, I've been waiting so long for that husband, that child, that job, whatever it might be. I've been waiting so long, and I understand. Well, first of all, you need to remember the Israelites were in the captivity for how long? Seven zero years. So that means that when they got into the captivity, very few, if any, of them ever saw the land. But the promise is still held. So so God's not on our timetable, folks. In fact, let me give you a phrase I want you to remember today. If there's a delay, remember the clay. What does that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Jeremiah chapter 18. The word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." If there's a delay, remember the clay. Who's the clay? Folks, who's the clay? We are. And who's the potter? God is. Who created us? God did. Who has the right to do with us whatever he wants to do? God does. So God has us in his hands as a potter does the clay. And he has every right 
in his timing for however long he wants to keep us in a delay to start stretching us and pushing us in ways he wants to do. And then he puts us in his place, on his tablet, and he continues to move us in his ways. Sometimes we say, ouch. Sometimes we say, I don't like it one bit. And God always reminds us, I am the potter, you are the clay, and I can do with you whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And he keeps stretching us in all different kinds of ways. And in the stretching, he reminds us that his purpose for our lives in accordance with Romans 8, 29, is not to make us healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. He might give that to you, but that's not his goal. That's a temporary perspective. His goal is eternity. He wants to mold us through the cross to be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants to teach us how to serve and not be served. He wants to teach us how to be givers, not getters. He wants us to be like Jesus. That's his goal. So if you're serious about following Jesus, then he takes his cross and he starts imposing it on the clay and he presses into us. As God presses into the clay, he begins to conform us into the image of Christ. And he takes that part of us over here and he goes, oh, that's your stinking thinking. I don't like that one bit, and I want it gone. He takes it away. And all your complaining about the ways you don't like me overseeing your life, we're getting rid of that. Because if you complain, you remain in the mess, and I want it gone. Because I'm about making an eternal creature. So let's get rid of that. And all of your unbelief, where you doubt my promises and don't believe I'm real, I want that gone because nobody in heaven is going to be a person of unbelief. And all your willful disobedience, those places where you want to live life on your terms and rebel against your parents and against authority and against me, God says, nah. We can get rid of that too. For the purpose of conforming us to the image of his son. Long before the resurrection ever occurred, the cross had to happen. And Jesus' goal in our lives, folks, is not to be an errand boy to meet all our needs. His job is to conform us to his image so that we will look and live like him. So if there's a delay, remember the clay. God's working. And most often he works in the parenthesis of the captivity. <laughs> when we say, have your way, Lord. Do with me whatever you want. Now, that's not to say he's not concerned about your present circumstances. That he won't give you the desires of your heart. You just have to trust him to do it in his way and his time. If there's a delay, remember the clay. 
God is the potter, you're the clay. And he has the right to do with all of us whatever he wants to do. Final thoughts. God's in the restoration business. <laughs> That's what he wants to do. He wants to take all of our messes and restore them to the grandeur he intended with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 2. How does he do it? Well, first of all, through grace. That magnificent, unique word of the Christian faith, grace. The unconditional love of the Father in heaven. While we were lost, while we were a mess, while we were sinners, Christ died on the cross to restore us to what God intended us to be. And he does it by his love. If I could get every single one of you just for one minute to realize the fathomless love of the Father in heaven, your life would be forever changed. The proof is the cross. God would go to that extent to redeem us and restore us. That's the proof. God loves you so much. I love the story of the minister who went to a father who had 13 children. Can you imagine having 13 children? <laughs> and he went to him and said, you know, I'm just curious. Which one of your kids do you love the most? And the father went, well, let me see. There's, there's Jane who, who really wants a husband so badly and has been waiting years and she doesn't have one, and she's hurting so badly. I, I guess I love her the most. He said, well, wait a minute. But then there's Jack, who, who started drinking a while back and didn't realize that that exploded some kind of genetic predisposition, and now he's addicted to alcohol, and he's really in some tough straits. I guess I love him the most. But then there's John, who just lost his job, and he has to support a family of three, and he's really hurting right now and worrying, and I guess I love John the most. But, but then there's Gladys, and, you know, she just lost a baby boy in childbirth. And, you know, I think I love her the most. And he went on for a couple more like this, and finally the minister realized the child the daddy loved the most was the child that needed the daddy the most. The persons the father loves the most in this room right now are the persons who need the father the most. So whatever's in your blank, would you know today, God is for you. He's on your side. He loves you. He passionately pursued you and died on a cross to prove it. First thing is understand grace. Second thing, then repent. Repentance. Folks, some preachers go, repent and then receive God's love. No. No. Receive God's love, then you'll want to repent. If you know how much the daddy loves you, you can put your clay into his hands. And you can say, take your chisel, your nails, your sander, and whatever you need, but restore me. And you can trust he's doing it. And repentance comes in response to the enormous grace of the daddy in heaven. And then finally, after that comes restoration. And it's beautiful. One final thought. Acts, the third chapter, verse 21. These words about Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things 
about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Jesus, who died on the cross, was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, now sits at the hand, the right hand of God the Father. One day, folks, he's coming back. He's coming back. And let me tell you something right now, that when he comes back, his purpose is to restore all things. His purpose is to make this world like it was in Genesis 1 and 2. His job is to take our broken bodies and give them resurrection bodies that will never hurt or ever be diseased again. He will come and make this creation what it was intended to be. He will make our relationships what they were intended to be. He will restore not a few things, not some things, not many things, not most things. He will restore what? All things, because God is a restorer. God is a restorer. And so whatever your blank is, believe. If you put yourself in his hands, he'll restore you. And if there's a delay, what? Remember the clay. God's working. And his goal is not to make you healthy, prosperous. His goal is to conform you into the image of Jesus. And he's doing it if you trust him. One final verse. Jeremiah 32, 17. A great verse from Jeremiah in chapters 30 through 33, all these chapters about hope. Read it with me. Ah, Lord, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you believe that today? Nothing is too hard for you, O Lord. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Psalm 68 verse 1 says, Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Coming up, David and I discuss this latest Davidism. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope. David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Tom Westboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals and, and we just thank you moments of hope and just this couldn't be this wouldn't be possible without you guys and you know uh the, the first call we made uh when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the dream center now 
This week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up, all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return and harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Jen. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you take us to Psalm 68.1. Will you share some of your thoughts about this verse with our listeners? I, I will, Jen, because it's a verse that's repeated in either exactness in other places in the Bible, or the idea is repeated as well. Here's what the verse says. Arise, O God. Let your enemies be scattered. And what that's saying is, you know what? My enemies surround me. They're strong. They seem almost unovercomable in my life. The only way that I can be victorious is for the Lord to fight the battle for me. We've seen in other places in the scripture when uh, a king has faced a huge army, he's reminded that the battle belongs to the Lord. And here as well, this cry arises. Rise, O God, let your enemies be scattered, is something that the Israelites would proclaim every time they would go into war. The shofar would blast forth, that was a trumpet kind of sound, and then the people would cry out this battle cry, Arise, O Lord. And that was their way of saying, We can't fight this battle. It's too big for us. You, Lord, have to fight the battle for us. Go and do so. And when you do so, our enemies will be scattered. It is a battle battle cry of faith. Mm -hmm. It is someone who knows that their situation's too big for them, and only God can have the answer. So, Jen, what we need to do in understanding Psalm 68.1 is regularly in our lives, as we're facing our giants, our huge enemies, we cry out as well a three-word prayer. I'm really big into three-word prayers, as you know. Mm -hmm. Reduce your prayers to three words, simple, easy to remember, cry out this one, arise, O Lord. Hmm. It's just a way of saying, God, you go fight this battle. It's too big for me. And when I let you do it and take my puny fingers off the problem, I'll find that my enemies are scattered, that you, Lord, will fight for me. The battle belongs to the Lord. I love how you've said recently that really it is a battle of surrender, like getting your puny fingers off of control. That's a great point. It is the fight of faith. Paul mm -hmm. talks about that, the fight of faith regularly in his New Testament writings. And the fight, I think, really is to let go, mm -hmm. to rest in the Lord, to surrender in him. And Jen, you know this too, that's not easy. It's not easy. It's difficult to do. It's a huge fight to let go and let God. But when we do so, we give God the ability to do it his way, his timing, and then see the victory in a way that we would have never imagined. Well, that's another battle we can talk about another time. But really, true surrender does allow God to move miraculously on our behalf. And it it puts our expectations totally on the Lord and not just on the circumstances and how and when we think it should be worked out. Right. And the Lord's going to say to all of us, as long as you keep holding on to this, as long as you've got your fingers wrapped around it, as long as you think you've got to control this, 
I'm not going to do anything. But supernaturally, it's when we release it to him and rest in him that he's then able to work. Now, he may not do it in our timing. Mm -hmm. He may take a while, but it will be done in a way that gives him glory in his perfect way. This is so good. Thank you so much for this encouragement today. Well, thank you, Jen. And listeners, if you would like to receive from me a daily e-blast in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m., go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They are free of charge. They're from my heart to your heart to help you begin each day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for our nation's leaders.